Welcome back to the Hey Roadie Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the people of the Ocean State. We are your hosts, Nick and Sasha. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone's having a fantastic week, as always. We have a very fun episode today. We are joined by Marissa and James from Anchor and Hope. They were so fun. They were really fun. They were really fun. I had uh, zero expectation, yeah. honestly, because uh, honestly, I... You sent the 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 thing to the schedule it, invite. and I said, "Okay, cool." I was busy, and then I saw it for today, and I was like, "Oh yeah!" And then it took me a second to even remember what Anchor and Hope was when yep. they walked in, and I was like, "Oh, I know what this is. This yeah, is going to yeah, be cool." Yeah, it was great. They were so interesting, and James is he's been making wine since he was like a young adult, so he his knowledge and his like frame of of reference for wine is just so great. And what I love about the two of them is like they want to take sort of like the there's this this is the only word I can use it's not the best word but like the pretension out of wine like they want it to feel fun and easy and drinkable and obviously like listening to him he has all these like specific things that go into it and it is serious but like the actual drinking of the tasting of it like to not feel intimidated to go like enjoy something that you really like and if if you taste a wine and someone tells you it's supposed to taste like freaking lemon but you're like man this really tastes like I don't know something else. It's okay. Yeah, and it is funny too because so we we were talking about the fact that they can their wine, uh, and that part of it is that he doesn't want it to be pretentious. Yeah. But when you li- and you as a listener who's going to hear this when he starts talking, uh, he has every right to be pretentious about yeah, it. He totally. knows pretty much he knows everything. Everything. Um, yeah. and I think it's kind of cool when somebody uh, kind of spends their entire life doing something, uh, especially in this type of field that can get a little on that side of pretension. Um, and instead goes the opposite that way that makes it, it want like, it you want this achievable. to be accessible and you yeah, want people to enjoy totally. the experience and nobody should be feel intimidated to ask mm-hmm. a question and i think that's awesome yeah and they're opening up a wine a, a wine tasting like room yeah. at their winery which is really cool because basically picture and this isn't going to happen in, in hopefully like around fall time but like picture like going to a brewery casually with some friends but instead of beer it's wine and that's kind of like their dream and like what they're planning and i think as someone who hates beer but likes wine i'm like all in on this idea so i'm very excited about it um but yeah they were super interesting it's cool because marissa has more of like a business entrepreneur background and obviously james knows a lot like so much interesting stuff about wine so together they've formed this like really cool company and they've only been open since 2019 which is crazy yeah it broke my brain a little bit i know because i feel like i've had them forever yeah. but you know That's with covid and time stuff, warp yeah. of covid yeah 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 uh and then You'll hear this pitched again at the end of the episode, um, but they, like Sasha was saying, they're building out their tasting room uh, and they're doing uh, a bit of crowdfunding to go along with that. Yeah. And not just crowdfunding as in, you know, your traditional version. Uh, yeah. It's a, a service called Mainvest. Uh, you can get to there if you go on their website. Their website is anchorhopewine.com and then there is an invest page within it. And it's actually an investment. You do get yeah. a, I believe they said it's a one and a half percent return That's uh, cool. on your investment. And then you're also, you know, helping a local business and helping these everybody, uh, you know, 
achieve what they want to achieve and make yeah. their area better. And I think after you listen to this episode and get to know um, the two of them, yeah. you'll you'll want to invest. So if you do have it, I think it's as little as a hundred bucks. Yeah, I think it could go a long way, and it's it's worth the time and worth the money. Definitely. And we're we're in the hopefully we put a little bug in their ear about maybe when they open the tasting room that Nick and I can do like a remote podcast recording there and talk to them again because yeah. he just knows so much information that like I didn't want this conversation to stop. Like I just wanted to hear more and more and more because it like breaks your brain hearing all about it. And, you know, they use um, they farm with a family in Germany and they farm with um, a lot of local vineyards. And it's just so cool. And I was really happy that they were on and they made me feel less dumb about my knowledge of wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I really enjoyed them, too. Uh, and I think once everybody gets a chance to listen to them, um, they're really going to like them as well. Uh, and if you do, again, you can hear this at the end. But anchorhopewine.com. There's yeah. an invest button on the top of the page if you want to help them out and you like the idea of a pretty casual tasting room I in do. the Providence area. I think it's mm-hmm. it's awesome. So enjoy the episode. And yeah. if you're feeling, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> You're feeling loose? Get feeling a, a little loose? Get in on it. I think it's a great idea. So enjoy. Yeah, have fun, guys. Talking about your cans and how we should always have some on hand because we sometimes a friend comes over and they want a glass of wine. But you don't want to open a whole bottle. A bottle, oh, yeah. right? And sometimes I'm just like not in the mood to drink, so I would much rather be like here. Yeah, it's like so perfect. It's yeah. so smart. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's like that's the best thing about the cans. Or like on a weeknight, you just want a glass, a glass of, wine of wine without like going too deep. The the hard part for me is that you know somebody comes over to your house th- immediately. I'm like, I need a drink right now. There's <laughs> <laughs> people in my space. So you want the full bottle? The yeah. cans restrict you from what you truly want. The bottle is for me. Here's a can. <laughs> But it's fun. Don't stay too long. Sometimes, like if a if I bring a bottle of wine over or a friend brings a bottle of wine over, sometimes I'm like, I don't want the same wine. You want to switch it up exactly. So you could have white. Like I've been recently into rosé, which sounds very like annoying, but it's no. It's it's like the most popular selling wine this time of year. I think it's really good. Party party wine. It's party wine. Like you know when the rosé is coming out. It's summer vibes. It's like party, like day drinking. It's it's a really good time, and it's pink. The flip flops go back on. Oh hell yeah! Uh huh. You're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just mosquito bites. Rosé. Everywhere, all over your ankles. So anyway, so now are we good? Yeah, we're good. We're rolling. Just checking. So um, anyway, we're here with Marissa and James. Hello, Hi, guys. Hello. How are you guys Hi. doing from Anchor and Hope? Great. I'm really excited about this because we did like a little series about breweries. And we had like one distiller on. One distiller. But nice. we didn't have any. And this is my fault because I just like I'm overwhelmed sometimes. And I didn't reach out to a lot of vineyards. But yeah. I haven't ever talked to like a winemaker. And I'm really excited about it because here's the thing. I think our podcast name should be called Sasha Learns New Stuff <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I'm always assuming Learning with Sasha. Yeah, that it's yeah. going to be like a simple process. And then it's like, oh, no, no. Here's- I mean, James could talk to you for six hours. Yep. So We're just get need- ready. Yay! Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> You're going to need a piece of paper, a compass, a ruler. Perfect. And, I have um, all those in my back A couple no fucks. A, a dream catcher, maybe. Oh, Whatever, yeah. A bunch of stuff. I got all of those things. <laughs> Um, I'm ready for it, but I want to start really quick before we get kind of into the nitty gritty about like the actual wine and making wine and all that stuff. You both are from California? No, no, I'm actually from Medfield, Massachusetts. Oh, okay, so yeah. you're, you're so that's what kind of what brought us back from California. Is so I James to be. is the enemy. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> the West Coaster. You're the West Coaster. I didn't. I'm not even like wearing it. my Warriors t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so you're from San Francisco. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. And yeah. you're from Massachusetts. Yeah. So one, how did you meet? How did you come here? Like, how yeah. did that happen? Yeah. The, the real story or the, the, the on the air story? <laughs> the on the air. Either one. A little no, bit no. of both. Pepper them in. No, we, yeah. we, we had a lot of mutual friends and yep. we we're both, you know, like, uh, you know, I don't know. Ready yeah, to I mean, date? Yeah. I mean, I, um, I so I moved out to California like on a total whim okay. um, after doing my MBA at Babson. Oh, okay. And I was like, if I don't do something different now, mm -hmm. I'm going to be on the East Coast forever. And I always had that like California, like stars that, in my eyes yeah. about like California. Always. So moved out to California and uh, San Francisco. And it's like such a fun area. It was like such a good time it's in my so life to like there. do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, James. So it was through James, your his roommate. That Different we... James. Wait, that's, I was going to say, wait, James. through who? That's yeah. <laughs> James B., J J if you're out there, James thank B. you for matching us up. <laughs> Call yeah. out, shout out, thanks, James B. Is he still in San Fran? Well, and your friend, no, and your friend Jamie, whose birthday it was. Yeah, that's also. true. That's oh, wow. True. What's a J name? That's involved? a lot. Of, that's yeah. very confusing. There's a lot of J names. That's, I don't yeah. like that. We don't like the but, uh, <laughs> anyway, she, she had this really cute little puppy and I was like, look at that puppy. And so then we became best friends and that's the end of it. Wow. Right? The that's the radio history. story. That's the radio nice. story. Okay. When we turn off, we can hear the real story. <laughs> um, so have you all, both always been into like wine? Like how did that, how did the you meeting and then, cause I, so fun fact for my 30th birthday, I went to San Francisco. Oh, and okay. it was beautiful. And we yeah. took a trip to Napa, yep. which for anyone who knows me knows that that was a waste of time for me because I was like, yay, wine. And I couldn't tell the difference between any of them. Oh, I was. Yeah. That's kind of. Well, that's that's you guys are the same. Well, I mean, that does just kind of how like going to Napa. Napa is, okay. you know. the, uh, so I started my career working in Napa for, oh, cool. for Constellation. Big giant, you know. We, I worked in essentially a big wine manufacturing factory. Okay. And in that one building, we made Mandavi and Estancia and Simi and at the time Ravenswood. Oh. No wimpy wines. No wimpy. Merlot. Those, those you know, are like, intense. Yeah. This was a, a time when like big high alcohol, jammy, mm. sweet wines were like the thing. The thing. Um, but, you know, to your point, there's Napa does make some of the best wines in the world. If you have the money and connections to go to those little single vineyard, small mm. family ranches. Yeah. But a lot of the experience of Napa is curated to be, it's like the Disneyland like of wine. Like a tourist. Yeah, you jump yeah. in a limo with your girlfriends and you drive down the Silverado Trail and yep. you go and they're like, look at this fountain. And they're like, <laughs> they're like oh, there's a there's a wine pairing with chocolate. And yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like really chocolate is a terrible thing to pair with really? wine. If you want to appreciate the wine. That's good to but know. But if you want to like change your pet because it's full of fat right mm. and sugar and so it makes the wine taste better but it doesn't necessarily make the chocolate taste better or okay. it does, you know, like the two aren't really they're not meant to be yeah. like you might believe they are yeah it's you know traditionally mm -hmm. you certain wines pair with foods of the region that they come from mm. but it's it's a bit of a gimmick or a play to be like oh try this delicious piece of chocolate and then this really tannic cabernet sauvignon mm. from this vineyard and then all of a sudden you don't really taste the tannins anymore yeah you're, you're not like, tasting the wine you're this like this is the best wine uh, i've ever had here's yeah. 75 dollars for one bottle uh -huh, uh -huh. you get home six months later and you open it and you're like this doesn't this taste, doesn't taste that. good you, you pair it with your lunch and you're like, <laughs> like wait whoa. what the heck happened? the random pasta dish you made you're like oh this will be fine yeah. and it's not yeah. yeah but i when i was there i would you know now that you say that i feel better about it because i'm like i feel like i was the worst person to bring there because i was like this all is fine like it's all fine to me yeah but, you know i've had anchor and hope i've had like other local vineyards and i'm like 
I honestly, if you were like, here's a million dollars, tell me the difference between this wine and this wine, I'd be like, I don't know. I just, I wouldn't be able to do it. Or like, yeah. this wine's from Napa, this wine's from Rhode Island. I'd be like, no, I can't do this. I mean, a lot of it's like education on your palate. That's you know, true. It's, yeah, you have to train your palate. Yeah, probably. totally. Totally. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way, but with white wine. I'm not, I don't drink white wine. Yeah. So, like, you could pretty yeah. much give me anything and I'm going to be like, yeah, that's white wine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Red wine, I drink red wine. So, I can tell, like, the, you know, your basic styles mm. of red wine yeah. apart pretty easily. I, I can't yeah. do the, like, you know, oh, that's from this region of France. Do you guys have really <laughs> trained palates? Yeah. Like, when you drink wine, are you like, oh, this has lemongrass or like this has tobacco? Well, or... so all, all of those descriptions that mm. we use that makes it makes wine seem, uh, what do you call pretentious. Yeah. Right? But you're it's like, not really. You're like cinnamon. Well, I don't just smell yeah. cinnamon in this wine mm. um it's subjective it's, too yeah totally you know everything has a language whether mm. it's your your doctor does your lawyer does you know your yeah. like little our little kid our little five-year-old has his own little language that we understand yeah and so there there is a language of wine that that um but it's not meant to be taken so seriously mm-hmm. and it's very subjective everybody's different you yeah. know and you can kind of tell when somebody's you know people people go a little too far with it and yeah. so like, even on our cans as an example like we have uh, three little descriptions of like flavors mm. and we put something specific like it's like melon and like watercress or whatever the, mm. those aren't on any of our kids but, that's <laughs> but just, just as, yeah just an example and we know it doesn't taste like watercress yeah but it's the idea is that it's like something herbaceous and mm. green there's like this thing mm. in there and if you're trying we, to evoke something from mm. the word not literally the word yeah well, and, yeah. and totally. to give somebody a direction so if you're like i know i like really oaky napa chardonnay for mm. example you look at the wine and you're like Hmm, mint and this is not it. Lemon and honeysuckle. This is not it. Well, it's funny because sorry, I'm gonna interrupt really quick. Have you seen that documentary, Sour Grapes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like kind of playing with that whole, you know, all the people that have like the perfect palettes and they yeah. all kind of got played Sommelier. by this guy for a lot of money and oh yeah. it, was, really? it was very interesting oh my god this is this is like an expose this is like so new for me <laughs> but it I'm, can because there were some people who like tried it immediately and were like yeah that's not that i've had wow. that before this yeah. isn't it but well, the, the the power of the mind is so if you go into a tasting like mm. you go you, let's say you're at you're at the tasting room and somebody's guiding you through something and they're like, oh, notice the notes of red cherry. You know? Yeah. Your brain yeah. is already like, oh, I'm going to look cherry. for red cherry. <laughs> yeah. And it takes you away from it yourself. Totally. So you don't like, it's not good to lead somebody into like, this is what you should mm. taste. Like, let everybody do their own let thing. Let everyone do their own and thing. And then you discuss it afterwards. You're yeah. like, what does it taste like? And, and someone yeah. might say it tastes lemony and you're like, oh, there's not even lemon in it. But maybe the two ingredients that maybe evoke like a lemony sort of flavor. Yeah. There's a, a, a whiskey channel that i follow on youtube and it's two guys and they uh they'll do a tasting and sometimes they agree and a lot of the time they don't taste the same things but they're yeah. in the same ballpark yeah of one thing there's, yeah there's one. there's this there's a so in wine when it's fermenting uh there's this compound called hydrogen sulfide h2s and it's a really common thing and it's 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 stinky it's like rotten egg oh and to me it's something that when you're walking around let's say all your wines are being made mm-hmm. you it, it you smell it in the air even from far away just yeah. little traces of it a rotten egg smell and so that usually means that the the wine needs a little more air so mm-hmm. you go over to that little vat that's fermenting and maybe you hook a pump to it and you kind of spray it a little bit into the air a little air comes in and then yeah. the yeast are happy and they they convert that H2S back in. They metabolize it, and it goes away from the wine. Wow! And so there's a lot of we call this reduction. We call it you know hydrogen sulfide. There's a lot of words for it, but for me, it smells exactly like peanut butter. 
And mm. my first job, you know, I, was, I think I was 17 when I first started making wine in Napa. And uh, I would say, oh, it smells like peanut butter. It's the peanut yeah. butter smell. And everybody looked at me like I was crazy. You were crazy. <laughs> and, and so I knew in my head, okay, peanut butter, hydrogen sulfide. Mm. And still to this day, when I smell a wine that's a little stinky or reductive, and I get that H2S smell, I think peanut butter, but I yeah. know I'm, I'll, I'll Everyone say. Everyone else does not smell peanut else. butter. Yeah. I'll, I'll say rotten egg or, or reduction. But in your sulfide. heart, it's peanut butter. Yeah. But you were told that you were wrong. That's well, sad. Well, no, no. It's, it's, that's how you, the point of the language is that eventually you, uh, you, you, you normalize with everybody yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. You, know? but you, you get a frame of reference. Yeah, but it's good to be different too, though. I like that you smell. <laughs> I love peanut butter, so I would probably smell the Unlike same thing. senses evoke memories, which then kind of have an effect on the sense as well so like you might actually smell grass but it reminds you of like the same food you used to eat on a picnic mm. all the time so then in your head you go like oh crackers yeah. <laughs> or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. it all this, kind of plays together yeah this might be like a really really stupid question and i ask a lot of stupid questions so if it is you can no 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 you can say there's no stupid question thank you so much <laughs> um so like you ferment the grapes right that's how you make the wine yeah. so if you have something i know the melon is not there's not necessarily a wine that you make with the melon in it, but let's just say that you're making a wine and it's going to have the melon note. When does, like, do you ferment the grapes and then you blend it with melon? Like, how does that work? <laughs> Is that this a stupid question? No, 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 no. no. Like, yeah, where does that come in? All, all, all of these aromatics are like different compounds and some of them are naturally in the grapes. So ah. some of the most aromatic wines that you could think of are like, Riesling or Gewürztraminer or mm. like whatever, like uh, these wines naturally have a lot of aromatics. Some of these compounds are called terpenes or whatever. And so okay. they're really like 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 pine like or citrus kind mm -hmm. of things like hops from beer yep. have a lot of the same compounds. And so you put a bunch of these hops in and those resins have all these these aromatics in there. Mm -hmm. um, some grapes have a lot of aromatics. Other ones like Chardonnay, as an example, they're, they're, they're definitely aromatic and they can be depending on you know, the clone or how it's grown or whatever. But a lot of the times the aromatics come from the yeast. So yeast has like a bready or mm -hmm. biscuity or yep. like, you know, these other aromas. Um, and then the two can combine together. And what comes out from the grape aromas and the yeast aromas is something somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. And so like there's this tropical fruit kind of character from the fr from the grapes and then the yeast has a little bit of this like breadiness. Okay. And then the barrel maybe adds a little bit of the spice or mm. a little smokiness to it. And then all three come together and it smells like a candied apple. Ah, you know? the, okay. The, the, other, the other aromatics are from like the the wine as it ages, it breaks down, it mm. oxidizes, uh, you know, al alcohols turn into aldehydes. Things happen in the wine that that the wine smells one way year one and then year two or three all of that evolves and changes. Something different. So there's no melon in there. There's just some aromatic that smells somewhat, somewhat similar like or in the realm of melon. Yep. And we just say melon as like a way, really what you're trying to do is compare. An identifier. Yeah, comparing mm. all these. There's so many wines, it's overwhelming, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. To give some sense of like what's in the bottle. Like mm. what do you, when you take a sip of that, like what is it going to. This is what is kind of, what are you going to yeah, yeah, sort have, of taste? If you yeah. have you know? red wine or something, there's no like leather or tobacco in it. In it's it. just like I a, well, I know <laughs> it's that. a descriptor, you know? Yeah. But I didn't know if like, oh, maybe there's, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to. No, I'm it's not all gonna, good. But, I'm not but I think another thing is like we, 
Um, don't like make the tasting notes until we're about to like bottle or can the oh. wine. So like we sit down before we make the label, yeah. we all taste it. Yeah. We come back to it the next day. We like Try take notes. Like, yep. you know, so it's you're kind not of saying a, like, oh, this barrel is going to taste like melon. You find out after. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah. And there's certain. So, sometimes, uh, you know, by the time it's been in the bottle and on the shelf, let's say it's been on the shelf for six months or yep. something. You come back. You come to back it and you like, try it and you're like, that doesn't taste. Or, like you look at the changed. bottle that we wrote and you're like, it's nothing like what's on the bottle. But, yeah, it's but, a learning you know. curve, I'm sure. Too. Well, also, like the wine is like a living thing and, mm. it, and it evolves yeah. over time. I think that's like the coolest. One of the coolest things about really it. Cool. You know, one, it's made from one ingredient, which uh -huh. is grapes. Grapes. And then the second is that it really is this living thing that mm -hmm. evolves over time and like the flavor profile definitely changes. That is so. really – I wonder – this is probably another stupid thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Have you ever had cotton candy grapes? Yes. I wonder yeah. if those would make like a really sweet cotton candy wine. <laughs> no. But it would be natural. Yeah. No? It, it's Have no. you tried? Well, we will because you said that. <laughs> Can you name it after me? Unfortunately, unfortunately the – yeah, there's – you know, actually getting – you know, it takes enough cotton candy it takes grapes. So yeah. Go to Trader Joe's yeah. a lot of like grapes. Yeah. One thousand <laughs> packages of cotton candy the, grapes. Aren't there like uh maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but aren't there like certain grapes that are used for wine that aren't like yeah. eating grapes? Yeah. It's, like a wine it's a grape. different it's a yeah, different. Yeah, so the, the grapes for wine, usually the, the skins are very bitter or astringent. Mm. And the the juice itself is like less sweet and much more sour. Mm. So oh. wine making grapes. Some of them, there are a few varieties like muscat grapes taste delicious, mm. right? Um, really, really, really ripe grapes that are wine grapes can taste delicious. Like if you're in the the desert in Southern California, like yeah. you would, the wine grapes taste delicious down there. But up in the Alps in, in Northern Italy, the grapes are probably a little bit rough and sour mm. to eat. You know, okay. it, it would if you tried to eat like a cluster of grapes, your would stomach would tummy. turn because it'd be like drinking vinegar or something. You know, oh. It was like really like kombucha, you know, very Interesting. acidic. Interesting. This is crazy. I was like under the assumption that you could just take a packet of grapes from the supermarket and make freaking wine out of you it. You can. You can, but it, it's It the, probably is gross. Well, there's not enough acidity. <laughs> mm. And so what would happen is that you'd make a very flabby wine that would that would age very quickly. It wouldn't mm. it, it would it would oxidize. It would it would uh, become like sherry or madeira, but uh, but like not a good tasting not a version good one. of that. But when you do make cotton candy wine please on the note somewhere be like blame sasha if this is not great or something like that and then i'll drink all i'll just buy all of it i'll buy all the cases and yeah. they're just in my face the secret is that you just have cotton candy in one hand mm. and a can of wine in the other hand and you enjoy life that's true you know, that's not everything true. has to combine very into true one. i was just curious because i just recently discovered cotton candy grapes and it I is thought, crazy how they taste like cotton isn't it candy. How, how weird is that it's really well, odd. i thought it was like chemically like i was like oh these are probably like soaked in fucking sorry i swear sometimes <laughs> i swear a lot and i don't mean to but um like soaked in sugar or something and then i did some research and, and, and no it's just like the way they like they combine two different things. They just have that flavor. And I'm like, yeah. wow, science and nature is crazy. is crazy. And even to hear what you just said about, like in my head, I'm like, oh, there's lemon in that wine. Like, no, it's just like the flavors, like creating that. That's nuts. Well, so one of the things, you know, the, the idea of like your your senses, right? Yeah. You, most of your flavor is actually aromas that you get in the back of your nose. Your your your, your taste buds can only really differ differentiate between salty, sweet, sweet. sour, mm. bitter. Okay. Uh, there's like there's whatever five or six that the they have umami is like the only one that's you know like like a little. Yeah. But uh, 
all of those flavors are these tiny, tiny little like you know aerosolized like mm. like little. It's it's a gas that you're, it's the uh-huh. aroma. It's not actually the solid the, the bits, tape. right? And the, in the back of your nose, it's so close to your brain that that the 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 signal you get is mm. is like really precise, very quick, mm-hmm. and so all those things come. But if if you go into some place where you have like like a let's say a dark room and you can't see what you're eating. Like there's a lot of these kind of cool restaurants that do that. And and when you're trying to make a scientific like let's say you're you know you're researching something to do with grapes or, yeah. or even in a beer and you're like what's the difference between these two things? You have to take away all the other senses mm-hmm. and train your panelists to do that. And they mm-hmm. go in there and then then they'll write down what they had, but your eyes, you know, everything they, is a factor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything yeah. is a factor and it changes your experience of what totally. you're doing. Totally. Which is why that $75 bottle of wine in Napa was is, so is, good is, when you're, <laughs> you're eating cuz you're in Napa and you're eating chocolate. Man, this is mind-blowing. When I was a kid, uh, I used to be like a really picky eater. Now I'll pretty much eat anything. Like you put it in front of me, I'll eat it. There's yeah. very few things I want to eat. But um, I used to say like, I think it had to do with like a, like a nasal thing because I used to say like I'd eat something. I'd be like, it's okay, but it's gross on the exhale. And somebody would say like, Wait, what like are you seven talking years about? Because like I could like, because I could, I could smell it. Like yeah. I'd be eating something and then I'd like breathe out and I'd be like, Oh, gross. Yeah. And like, I don't think I was used to that. And then somebody else would just be like, I don't know what you're like. You're eating it, dude. Yeah, like, what are you that's talking not a real about? thing. I, I would, just, no, I'm just it would feel like <laughs> it probably totally could not be a real thing too. And oh, I'd be it, like, no, it, you're it right. Is, it is, it uh, is. But I would, it would throw me for a we, loop. We call that the retro nasal. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Wait, really? <laughs> when you, if you ever hear like some, or some really snobby wine person is like sucking air through the wine in their mouth, or they do this with whiskey too, like, <laughs> You know, like it's, and you're and sitting there and you're out. like, it's, you know, you're like, can you stop doing that? It's gross. Uh, that's where you're breathing air through the liquid. And so sometimes, you know, every once in a while, you'll see some really over the top wine taster at a big, con- you know, uh, convention or something like that. And they're practically like gargling the wine to get that yeah. retro nasal to get it as, ah. as if. As if anybody would ever drink a wine like, like that. that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Not, it's not the way that, that's not how you enjoy that's it. That's crazy. And you know what's really cool too is when we we had um, the founder of New Harvest, the coffee place, on, oh, yeah. and he, he was saying too, and I think this is kind of what you're saying, which I really appreciate, is like these things can be really intimidating and intense, but they don't have to be. Like anyone can love wine. Totally. And like if you can't, because in my head, I my first like real job was at an Italian restaurant that had a really like intense wine list. And I remember being like just able to drink and people would be like, what do you taste when you drink this wine? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So like I, it's, it's always in my head. But like yeah. that doesn't have to be. No, I mean, I think that there's like such a pretension with mm. wine that like does yeah. not have to be. And, you know, one of our missions is to like to make it less like, intimidating casual. and more casual yeah. with the cans and like. Mm-hmm fun with the little flavor profile and just like take it with you and enjoy it. You don't need to like sit down and and overanalyze it and think of it. Think about it. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you like it? Does it taste good? Perfect. That's good. That's (laughs) That's all that matters. You know, drink it and you taste berries and then you drink it and you taste something else. That's okay too. Like there's no wrong answers. Like totally just have fun with it. Yeah. There's, there's two. uh, So as, as somebody who who's made wine for my entire adult life, mm. there's kind of two experiences that you get that that are like gratifying and vindicate, validating. I don't know what the right word is, but yeah. validating. So one is when you and you sit in front of somebody who's uh, an expert, 
you know, yep. some psalm, some buyer at a fancy restaurant that you really want them to buy the wine. And they sit there and they're, you know, and <laughs> sipping on the wine and like, and they're yeah. writing notes really feverishly, you yeah. know, and you're like, you're like, what are they going to do? Oh, no. <laughs> and then they're like, I like it. Yeah. It's that's really a- good. Actually, you did a great job. We'll, we'll take three cases. That's a, that's a moment when you're like, yes. Yay. Yes. Because mm-hmm. what goes into it, you know, there's, there's a lot of people involved from the start to the finish, you know, yeah. like out in the field, you know, like, I don't know, to give an example of our Sauv Blanc, you know, we're, we're in Germany with this vineyard. There's, there's Mirek and Eugen from Poland that yeah. are out there every day working in the fields. Uh, you know, and I'm over there, like we're, we're, we're eating food together. Yeah. We're, you know, and, and they, they all have their own farms in Poland. They grow tobacco over there. So there's like this whole backstory mm. just of the group, grapes being grown. Yeah. But then it comes into the family and we've got Johannes who's, who's in the cellar. His dad, Eckhart, who was my mentor and trained me, he's running the business while well, his wife, Angela runs the business, but he's kind of like running the vineyards and mm-hmm. the thing. And, and I watched Johannes grow up from, I think I met him when he was like five or six oh years old. And so, you know, at this point, a vineyard that I planted with Eckhart is now being, the wines are being uh, crushed by his son, who I watched grow up. Yeah. All the, all the wine then comes to us when it's really young, um, where it sits in our tanks and everything, and we, mm-hmm. we, we kind of care for it until the last day when it goes out and, you know... Our guy Brian is out in the in the field, like talking with the store owner, and yeah. it finally gets to the customer. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of steps in how how this chain comes together. Yeah. A lot of people involved, and so you're waiting for when that, that one sub, moment. Yeah, when that fancy guy's like, "This is good," you're but, like, "Hell yeah!" It but is. here's <laughs> the other side of it. it. It what's almost even it's definitely not almost it's definitely more important than that than that one person that validated all that effort. Yeah is when you're sitting in a place and people don't know that we're anchoring hope. That you're, yeah. And I look over and somebody's like crushing a can or drinking a glass and they're that. like, oh my God, I so love good. this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you're overhearing it and you're like, yes. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, like, there's there's all these parts about it. You know, this vineyard was planted by the Romans in the year 700. There's all these like nerdy, geeky things that mm-hmm. that I can go on about. But just watching somebody enjoy the wine is like the most important. It's so nice. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And all that hard work and all the history, like you said, going behind it, like just seeing that little moment is like it's I remember. Well, this isn't my first experience with your wine, but I was at Providence Wine Bar and we ordered a bottle of wine and they were like, oh, we're out of that bottle. But we have an Anchor and Hope one that's similar, like yada, yada, yada. I, I feel like the ink, yours was not on the menu for some reason. Like there was like some, I don't, honestly, I don't remember. Yeah. But they were like, oh, try this one. And they brought it out. And I was like, first of all, I love that it's local. Like yeah. first and foremost, and it was freaking delicious. It was perfect. <laughs> and it was, and I like your logo. And I'm just like, it made me so happy. And <laughs> you could have been at Providence Wine Bar. You would have seen me crushing that wine. <laughs> I think I got two bottles. Um, but it's, yeah, I can see how that, Similarly, like with our magazines, if I'm like at seven stars and I'm like ordering my coffee and then I turn around and I see someone like walking away with one, I'm like, yeah, yeah. so cute. And it's so fun. Oh, yeah. Totally. totally. Uh, I was going to say, so I'm going to put us in a different direction. So oh. talking about like history. Um, so we kind of got into the fact that uh, like how you guys met and then we started talking about wine. Uh, but how did you uh, just a long story short, you moved to Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. How did you like what were your first steps in like starting a winery here? 
We, and like, where'd you go from there? What made you yeah. decide to do cans instead of yeah. uh, where? What was that kind of trajectory like? Good job getting us back on track, Nick. I was about <laughs> yeah. to ask if they've ever stomped grapes. So this is <laughs> we'll hey, get to yes. that. We might get there. We'll yeah, get there. we started yeah. plotting this business when we were still in San Francisco. Yeah, 2017. And, really, we started like actually talking about it. Um, I mean, I actually don't have a wine background. Mm. I have like a business marketing background. But that's good. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I always like had this entrepreneurial thing. You drink a lot of. I love. I like to drink wine. I was like, "That's good enough, right?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll start a wine business. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was like done with the corporate world, and so as soon as James and I met, we were like talking about business ideas and like what we can do together. Mm-hmm. Um, and James at the time was running um his his winery out in San Francisco with um two other business partners, and yep. it was kind of getting to a point where everyone was kind of going different life mm-hmm. directions, and maybe it was like time for a change and. Well, and, um, and we were having a kid. I was pregnant <laughs> with ah. Liam. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> then the planning really starts to yeah. increase. Yeah, on yeah. And then yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, what, you know, what are we going to do here? Are we going to stay in San Francisco, which mm-hmm. is just exorbitantly expensive? Mm-hmm. And it was daycare just, was like, you know, three or $4,000 a month. Jeez, you know, it's like, yeah. Our rent is just, Rough. you know, a ton. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the cost of living. I mean, this was back in t- 2017. I think the poverty line for a family for in San Francisco was like $125,000. Wow. We're like, Probably going to be tough to start our own business um, here. That's insane. So, yeah, I mean, that coupled with me wanting to be closer to family Mm kind of like, you know, drew us to the East Coast. Also, there wasn't like there's not that many like cool wine things out here. I mean, there's like some local vineyards doing cool mm-hmm. stuff for sure. Well, give there's a, so give many. A sh- there are there are definitely a, there are some really amazing wineries and vineyards and certainly people in those totally. places that we've met and become friends with here. Yeah. So we don't want to shade anybody out there. There is. But there's not it's enough. It's just less industry. There's not enough. Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah, there's so, not a lot. There's yeah. so many people that love wine and the culture of mm. wine. And yet you really have to go on a journey. You're like, oh, I'm going to yeah. go drive 45 minutes or an hour. To Especially go coming to- from California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look at the way that we, you know, we had like our little brewery series. Now, like when I first turned legal drinking age, I think there was like, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely wrong in this number. But to my knowledge, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's three vineyards. I mean, three breweries right and they were probably all in Pawtucket like I didn't know and now there's like a hundred there's like so many because the thing is is that everything offers a different taste a different product a different vibe exactly you literally took the word different vibe and even buying it on the shelves of a liquor store right like a different can like oh this one has a puppy on it this one has a boat on it like which one am I going to try today so I feel like wine is this is the same breed right like yeah there can be people doing cool things, but there can always be more people doing cool things. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, if you just like think of the, I feel like the brewery culture is like a great example because um, it's just such a, a thing now and, and people love it. People flock to breweries. Um, the craft beer scene has just like mm-hmm. exploded in the past, you know, 20 years. It's um, But there's still a lot of opportunity for wine to kind of like catch up Heck and like yeah. modernize a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, so yeah, the, uh, yeah, I mean, why we ended up in Providence, you know, versus like when we first came back, we were really looking around the Boston area, mm. like in Newton and Canton and like kind of gross. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> just kidding. It, just so no, expensive. I, yeah. <laughs> honestly, it's, it's not it, the gross is obviously exaggerated, yeah, but like, kidding. you know, we're like, well, well, this is just as expensive as California, you yeah, know? And, yeah. and, uh, we, we just like Liam, our, our, our son, he would only sleep when we were in the car. 
Her mm. parents were having a big old party for the holidays and we were like losing it. And so we just jumped in the car to go for a drive. Yeah. And, you know, we had some friends in Providence. We we're like, let's just drive down to Providence. Mm. We drove down. Driving around, and you like, fell in love. We're like, totally. Why don't we do this here? This it's is cool. Here. It's like it's so a fun. cool city. It's like on the water. It yeah. has some. It's like there's you know, so many different components. Yeah, it's, it's like small. artsy. It's like has a food culture. Heck yeah, it's and like, it's like you, I mean, it, obviously, it's expensive, but it's like to live in a city as vibrant as Providence, the amount of money it costs. It's like, way less. It's less. It's yeah. more yeah. manageable, I would say, for sure. Okay. And. Yeah, there's diversity. There's like exactly the, yeah, culture. Mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, for James too. I, you know, he grew up in San Francisco. I think Providence um, reminds him a lot of how yeah, San Francisco similar, used right? to be well, when, way back. You know, in San the Francisco day. changed after the '89 earthquake, and then the politics of San Francisco changed, and that's when all the tech comes in mm -hmm. in the in the '90s. And so, you know, a lot of times cities have like that. You know, there's plans so that you can't overdevelop things. Yeah, isn't that? And so San Francisco rapidly changed because they had to rebuild. Yeah. And so essentially they opened the door for this giant tech industry. And okay. that somewhat whitewashed San Francisco a lot. Okay. Because, you know, you have a lot of people coming in and all this diversity and all that, but like everybody's in this one sector. Mm. Um, whereas here, you know, like if you're, if you're a, a cab driver or like a, a busser or like mm -hmm. a, you know, you're, if you're, if you're a everyday worker who's not in the tech business, you can't afford to live there. And you're, yeah. you're, you're coming in on public transport or you have an hour and a half, two hour drive to get there yeah. to go work your butt off. And it changed, it kind of sucked the soul out of the city. Yeah. Um, yeah that's a big, I've heard about that San Francisco and LA where like teachers have to live like two hours outside of yeah. where they Teach, teach because yeah. there's no way they can afford to live it's like so in San Francisco or, or LA. I mean, it, it was a rarity to be a local that grew up there. My dad grew up in the city as well. And mm. so like, you know, Every day, people are like, "Where's your accent from?" And I'm like, "So that's what locals sound like. Yeah. You just have never met one because yeah. there are none anymore." There's none, yeah. And uh, when we came to Providence, it was like everybody's from here. This mm. is awesome. Yeah. Not everybody, but like a but lot. A of lot people. of people yeah. are, yep. or if they're not from Providence specifically, they're from like yeah. the surrounding by. area. Yeah, and they yeah. know about it. They know. I mean, it's such a small little organism of like you can live in Providence, but you know everything that's going on in South County. You know everything that's going on on the East Bay. Like you can get to those places easily. You can, yeah. you know, if you are smart and you can budget, like you can afford to take a drive to the East Bay and eat at like a nice restaurant and have a totally different view. Where like if you yeah. go to in California or, you know, those bigger places, you go, you can't, right? Like yeah. there's no way that you'd be able yeah. to like and go I mean, to those places. Face it, we're the, the we people that live here love it, but we're a state that's the size of the largest ranch in yeah. Texas. Yeah. Like, there's, yeah. A, there's a ranch that's the size of our We're entire state. Bit. There's got to be a ranch is bigger than Rhode Island. I'm sure yeah. there is. There's got to be. There's got to be a lot of... I Listen, I just... I love Rhode Island. I'm glad you guys came. So you drove through Rhode Island with your little well, baby. And then... So first we're like, Providence, let's move here. We yeah. like it here. And it's much more affordable than Newton or something. And so the second part of it was as we were looking at all these commercial spaces... The one we found was on the Seekonk River, kind of facing the east side, but yep. over in Rumford on the East Providence side. Okay. And just in the last number of years, the amount of, you know, hat, hats off to the East Providence uh, city and the, the mayor over there and everything. You know, they've they've been transforming that whole waterfront that mm. used to be, you know, the Genova Steel. And we're in the, I can't remember the name of it, but the, the, the copper wire mill that's yep. over there. And so here you are in this, 
this old rustic industrial mill on this river that was once like a super fun toxic dump. And so a lot of people are like, oh, why would you be over there? But come down there now and you've got a bald eagle and you got blue herons and oh like, God, so you know, the, the stripers and... are chasing fish up the river and yep. there's rowers from Brown are out there going back and forth. And you're looking across at kind of Swamp Point and the Blackstone Park on the east side there. And it's serene mm. and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And nature finds a way to come back from totally. all this. So in like all the ivy and vines, it's this kind of crazy thing of like the old industrial past meets new nature's new. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. New yeah. and you know. improved nature yeah. and things are happening. And so that area is so nice. And and what's nice about it is you can have that serene experience and then drive 10 minutes and you're in downtown. Exactly. Yeah, right? definitely. Like you're so yep. close to everything. Maybe not 10 minutes, but you know what I mean? Like 12. It's, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Like everything is so close. And, and if you lived if you used to live somewhere on the east side, driving to Rumford in that area, so quick. It's so easy. Yeah, so easy. But it's still far enough removed where you still have yeah, like yeah. a little bit of a balance. You're not looking at your work all the time. It feels yeah. like, you know, a lot of Rhode Islanders don't really drive much more than like 12 minutes nope. to get anywhere. We refuse. And so 10 <laughs> yeah, minutes is, is within that 12 minute <laughs> thing. <laughs> the plus or minus. <laughs> yeah, you guys having to drive here was probably like too far. I'm so sorry. That no, you no, no. no we're, not, we're like, yeah, we're, yeah. we're done. Well, you're from, and you're from Mass, you're from California, so you're used to driving has it hit yeah. you yet that you don't you only drive the, the 12 minutes oh has i it love hit? it I, it's I nice right it's yeah that's one of the well so rhode island is much like where i grew up in san francisco with the whole bay area we're on the mm -hmm. bay mm -hmm. rhode island you're always on water just yeah. like where i grew up and so i feel very much at home and Aww. and it's but it's 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 there's there's less it's less like uh I don't know. In in San Francisco, the traffic is mm. insane. You're like, yeah. oh, let's leave the city today, and then you try to get on. You have to get it's on a bridge because you're on a peninsula. So yeah. you're like, oh, let's sit on this bridge for the next hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. Like, the uh, traffic in Rhode Island, it's always it's funny because I, um, my parents are divorced, and my dad lived in Mass for like most of my life, yeah. and like the Boston traffic, even compared to Rhode Island traffic, like if you've ever had to sit in Boston traffic, like it's way worse. Yeah. I'm like, liter like literally, like the the 95 exit that gets backed up is so short. But like, how long are you going to be sitting on it? Or like, realistically, like yeah. not that long. Like, it's fine. Like we, it's, yeah. yeah. It drives unless me It's nothing like, compared to Boston. Yeah, yeah. Or unless California. You happen to, or to, California. To be really bad at timing your drive home and you yeah. hit that ultimate rush hour going through like the 95 junction in Providence every single day, which yeah. can be like an hour if you yeah. do it wrong. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's not a lot of other spots short of like, you know, an accident or something that backs things up. Oh my I, God. On my way home in, on 146, there's a... You know, 146 North going up north, uh, up toward Massachusetts, and there's a light where there's a Subaru dealership, mm. and it backs up maybe five to ten minutes. Yeah, and yeah. people all the time like, oh yeah, I have to come up 146. They're like, oh you got, you have to sit in that traffic. I'm like, it moves the whole well, time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not like real traffic. I know. Yeah. Everybody here has a back way. They're like, yes. oh you yeah, can't yeah. go that way. <laughs> Take the earlier exit. That one they closed yeah, off yeah. the back way. You can't do it anymore. <laughs> it's like I'll drive an extra 15 miles and it'll save me one minute. It but I know it's minute. a secret. Yeah. It's nice. That was yeah. totally how my dad was <laughs> we're growing up doing Let's the commute the to back. Boston. My yeah. only time I will, and I'm not, I'm like not a complainer. The only time that I ever had the worst experience traffic in my life is when I lived in Down City and there was, get this, a JoJo Siwa concert. Oh, and it was all these people bringing their kids who have probably never been to a city in their life, <laughs> like all trying to figure out like where to go. And I think I was sitting in, in like on no, the exit geez. ramp for like an hour. And I was like, yeah, this is did like you, unnecessary. Did you miss oh, any man. of the show? 
I wasn't going. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I was there. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. No, I was just like bopping along in the car. Um. Anyway, so here's kind of a question. So like a winery versus a vineyard, like a vineyard, the grapes are grown on location. Yeah. A winery, you import the grapes and then make the wine there. That's the biggest difference. So, yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And I think we, you have to look at how wine is marketed and why mm. there's a lot of confusion over this. Okay. And so in the, in the United States and in general from France, there's the idea of an estate winery. And the estate, is it means that we grow the grapes and we make the wine all on the same property. Okay. Right. Or in the, in the U.S., maybe that in France is sometimes like that. In the U.S., it means like we own all these vineyards and we farm them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we hire people to farm them, but there are vineyards that we vineyards. own, the land we own. Okay. And then we bring all the grapes in. Okay. And so what's challenging is that then you'll find all these, these wineries that use the word estate, but the wine isn't estate wine. Oh. So you're like, this is, you know, James's estate winery. Mm-hmm. And- the, the feds tried to crack down on this, but there's all this confusion because yeah. because people want to, you want to have this feeling. You're like, oh, I go to this place, I see the vines right in front of me and then uh-huh. I drink the wine. Yeah. That's what you get when you go to Napa. Yeah. Um, we had fake vineyards around the whole winery in Napa that I was at. They didn't make good <laughs> wine. All the good wine was grown on the mountains where yeah. you couldn't really have. <laughs> so it's like, it's again, it's ex- experience, not yeah, the yeah. actual thing that's happening. Yeah, exactly. So they're making so two buck chuck with that. In practice, mm-hmm. um, you have some people that are really good at farming. Yeah. Um, and those people focus on farming all year long. It's a, it's challenging to farm. And usually wine is grown in kind of difficult climates. Uh, that's where you make the best wine, up at high altitudes or mm. on the fringe between, you know, if it's too warm and tropical, you can't grow wine because it gets too moldy yep. and the daylight mm. nighttime thing doesn't, they don't flower. Anyway, so you have professional agricultural farmers mm. that focus on that. And then you have a winery, which is not that different than a brewery or a distillery. Okay. So we get the ingredients. That's the grapes. Mm, and okay. and in the case of, let's say, Eckhart and Johannes and, and them that I was talking about earlier, they do all of that in-house. They're they're a, they're an estate winery, yeah. but they also purchase grapes. Like they can't grow enough sometimes for the demand of okay. their wine. So they purchase grapes from local farmers. Yeah. Sometimes another farmer's uh, kids don't want to make wine, but they have all these vineyards that they've had forever. So yeah, they're not going to buy the vineyard. Yeah, they're they, just going to buy the grapes. They call them up and they're like, hey, Eckhart, will you take all of our grapes this year? Yeah. Like we're not really going to make wine anymore. Like, yeah, of course, we'll take the grapes. We're, mm. Like, you know, we're so... Every winery, whether you're in 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 Bordeaux in France, and you're you know you're like this is our estate, uh, or or in California or whatever, you have grapes that you grow, uh, you have grapes that you purchase, yeah, uh, and a lot of times there's even wines that you purchase from other wineries where they're like ah oh, we have too much cab, and you're like I kind of need some cab, yeah, and it all comes into the blend, but yep. on the label for the customer, we we say everything that's on there. So this is estate, like let's let's talk about Greenvale in Portsmouth. Yeah. They're amazing estate winery. Everything yeah. that they produce is from their estate that yes. they grew, that his grandpa or his mom uh, planted over the last like 40 years, yeah. or maybe 50 years. Um, and so we're lucky to work with him. And so we purchased some grapes from from the family at Greenvale and we're making some wines with those. Mm. And so we're we're a winery that, 
that produces stuff from grapes. We also buy wines or buy juice from other people that we've worked with, particularly family and friends of ours Mm. that are on the West Coast and in Germany. Um, and all that comes into our facility where we make wine, whether it's a grape or whether it's it's a little farther. You along alter it so it tastes like it's like what you're. It's yeah, alt, uh, like alter is a word that I wouldn't use. Wine, okay, wine is just a one, different process. Well, all it is, it's like you know the idea. Oh, there's a winemaker and your sensitive <laughs> palate and all that. That's marketing. The reality yeah. is that people were making wine like fifteen thousand years ago. Uh-huh. Grapes just turn into wine if you don't do anything. Yeah. Now, making a wine taste good is just about avoiding it from going bad with like too much air mm. or it gets it gets contaminated with a lot of bacteria. That's not it's not bad for you. Yeah. You could drink it. It, it becomes more like kombucha oh. or more like vinegar. So you, okay. you like do you want to make vinegar, red wine vinegar or do yeah. you want to make red wine red that wine. tastes like leather and tobacco? And yeah, uh, you know. I mean wine was more of a practical thing at one point, right? I mean it was yeah, safer safe to, to drink the water. The Romans the Romans brought wine everywhere. They brought it up into Germany where a lot of our vineyards are. Yeah. And they planted all those vineyards and you know they'd put a church in, a bunch of vineyards and that would be an outpost so that all the soldiers could go up and it was and they were protecting trade routes on major rivers. Because they didn't have trains or cars or, you know, going over land with a horse was was tricky. Yeah. But they floated all of these things back down to, to different places to feed the empire. Mm. Um, so wine grew anywhere where there was a port city. Yeah. Like Oporto in Portugal or Bordeaux is a port city or where there was a big river that fed through. Oh. Um, so, you know, the, uh, you know, anyway. Yeah, this is also this is news to me. So I'm just like sitting here, like kind of like, oh my god. So, so the vineyard. What's the what's a vineyard or what's a winery? A winery is no different than a brewery. It's it's like a building where we get grapes in there. Yep. And you do something with them. You do something with them. You just crush them. Yep. And you put them in a tank and you let them ferment. Mm. Could you add like yeast? Like if you're making bread, you add a little packet of yeast. You could add yeast. Yeah. And that was done conventionally for for quite some time because it was thought that it made better wine. And then now everybody's perception has changed. And when where I used to spend a lot of money, you know, 15 years ago, we would spend a lot of money and time culturing yeast strains and getting them in the wine. Now, almost nobody does that anymore because it's oh. like, why spend the money? It's it's a marketing thing to be able to say, where well, it's indigenous yeasts. Yeah. You know, it's all natural. It's just the grapes. Um, so, and and it turns out that we were all making wine in this way, this conventional way, because we were scared that if you didn't do it like that, it might not turn out that it good. It might not be good. And then but, you wasted all of this time doing this thing and you have bad wine at the end of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. as it turns out, um, consumers 20 years ago, Wanted a more perf, I uh, have more perf, but a more cleaner, uh, a cleaner, clearer wine that didn't have sediment, and, mm. you know. And we've evolved in a way to where it's okay if it has a little funk or a little yeah. bit of sediment, or you know, those things make us, you know, it's all connected. Like you didn't go to Whole Foods twenty years ago, yeah, you know, and and like get something that had no nitrates or whatever. Uh-huh. You know, you probably went to like stop and shop and yeah. you got like ham that was filled with preservatives or whatever. So yeah. everything has changed a lot. Yeah. And so wine is one of those things where we went back to an older form of winemaking. Which is probably nice to being the winemaker. So it's it's you can have something that's more natural, more organic to what it actually is instead of like you said, like pumping all this stuff into what's, it. And Yeah, what's what's nice. And there never was pumping a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah. like adding yeast, like when you're making bread, yeah. you add it or you don't. But, but there's this perception mm. because – 
some people market wine in a way that they're like, we don't add anything and everybody else adds all this stuff. Mm. And so that's a flaw. Mm. Like wine is simple, just grapes. It's they so much simpler than I, I thought wine. you put melons in it. Well, the, like- the, grapes, <laughs> the, the, the art is in matching the right grape to the right place that mm. it grows in. So, you know, like really everybody focuses on what do you put in the wine? And very, I've never had anybody ask me except for people that really know about it. So like, Oh, like how do you treat the vineyards? So what we spray in the vineyard has an impact on the rivers and the soils around it and the insect populations and everything. And so really what what should be focused on is less, there's not crazy chemicals going into the wine. Yeah. It's just grapes. It's just grapes. And then in the vineyard, it's a there's a big push and certainly they've done crazy stuff out in Germany and, and they're doing more and more out here. Uh, everyone is where where you're not using fertilizers anymore. You know, you you, you grow other crops in there mm-hmm. and those pull nitrogen out of the air. So you're not fertilizing. It puts it right back into the oh, soil. Wow. Um, but also those other crops may bring in bees and mm-hmm. other insects. And so the the bad insects that maybe hurt the grapes yeah. uh, have competition and there's not as big of a population. and stuff. Wow. So really the focus about natural wine or or, or clean wine or anything mm. like that uh we, we we have to pay more attention to how do you farm that stuff huh it's also interesting it sounds too like um so maybe not so much with winery and vineyard being nebulous concepts legally but like you said the estate one kind of being a nebulous concept now on a legal level where that people have tried to fight that before uh and i think what you were saying before about it being kind of confusing to the consumer um makes a lot of sense because it is kind of confusing, especially to like just your casual person. They've kind of become these things like, I mean, people don't want to hear this that often, but like the label organic on something like legally doesn't mean much. Like you can kind of like, it's getting better. But like five years ago, you could slap organic on most things as long as they didn't have certain stuff in them. And it didn't always mean what we wanted it to mean. There's like, that's an interesting point. Like from my take, Organic is really regulated. Like we can't mm. write organic on, even if Eckhart or Nico farms the vineyard organically, mm-hmm. b- they could be certified. And I could write uh, far, like certified organically farmed grapes, but I couldn't say that the wine was organic unless we were certified as organic. Oh. And even though we we could easily be certified as organic, this is a process that takes a little while and it costs, costs money. money. Yeah. It's, it's like a, it's not necessarily worthwhile because there isn't enough uh, consumer base that will spend more on organic wine. On yeah. organic wine. You want yeah. it to say organic and be organic. I think most people kind of just assume it's yeah. mostly organic anyway, because like you were saying, it's pretty much one ingredient. So yeah. Yeah. I had yeah. no idea that organic wine was a thing, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I'm, there's I'm there's a lot of levels. Introduced. It goes organic and then biodynamic. And then there's all kinds of sustainability. And, um, you know, the the, you know, like an organ as an example, like the, we have like salmon safe certified live certification, mm. low impact viticulture and analogy. Like, yeah. So basically it's the idea that. If you have this monoculture of farming, because wines can take over a region. You go to Napa, it's all wines. Yeah. It used to be hops and apples and cherry trees oh, and all kinds of other crops invasive. there. But now it's all vineyard. Wow. And so Which isn't you know, good for the soil either. It's not it's not good for just just general biodiversity mm. and the, the ecosystem. And so uh all these wineries realize this after a while. And so they're they're like, all right, let's put a wildlife corridor in here. Okay. So that way deer can get from one mountainside to the other. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's make sure that that the the vineyard doesn't erode into this river, right? Wow. Or do all these things. And so uh, th- the good thing about the wine industry in general is that 
they're very aware of these things. Yeah. You kind of need to be, right? And they've been working yeah. and investing huge amounts of money mm-hmm. on, you know, Eckhart has has a solar solar panels on the roof that wow. feed most of the electricity, all the gray water, all the all the water that when it rains it comes off their roof. It's all collected in cisterns and used to irrigate the landscaping oh, wow. and also for like certain wash down stuff and everything. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Nico has like a net zero wine storage room oh, cool. where they built it down into the cave underneath the house. And uh, they use like reclaimed foam and cement mixed together to create walls that, oh, you know, the, the so amount cool. of stuff that goes into all this. You know, and in some sense, by, by no means is it on the same scale. But when you go into an old industrial building in Rumford mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, and, and repurpose it for something that the community can come in. So we're, we're building and opening a tasting room. I heard that um, through the, the grapevine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, you know, it's going to be on the river. Yeah. And so by instead of just tearing it all down yep. and trying to build all this new stuff, you know, we're working with the city and the fire department and all that yeah. and, the, and the architects to try to um, – to work within the shell of this old existing building without throwing anything away, so without cool. just demolishing it all, and uh, and to, to transform it into something that the community can come down and use oh and God. enjoy That's on so the river. You know, so you don't even have to drink wine. Just come and have a cup of coffee, open your laptop, and sit and by the river. Wine. You know, uh, there all there will always be wine. There's got to be yeah. wine. That's so expensive. <laughs> is this the project? This project is this happening like in the next few months? In the next few years? What is the thought? We're working on it right now. Yeah, we're with a bunch of guys. It says it on your website, right? Coming soon. Yeah, does it? Yeah, I'm sure I read that, but honestly, I probably. I mean, in a perfect world where we have some variation of it open by the fall, but (gasps) that'd be cool. It's um, it's a challenging time for construction. Yeah, yeah, supplies. It's really bad. Everything's like just costing more and and, taking forever to get in. Taking a long time. Oh, it's slated to come in the end of July. And then you're like, oh, just kidding. It's coming in at the beginning of September. Like, it's just so hard to keep track of all those things. But that is really, that's a huge, exciting development. I had uh, something that I wanted to touch on before we end up, you know, running out of time. I know. We've Um, been talking for so long already. (laughs) I have so many questions. Um, But with the cans. So uh, the first time I remember seeing your cans, I think it was working here, actually. So I've been with the company about six years. And at some point, I think we did uh, either an article or a taste column or something uh, on Anchor and Hope. And you guys had sent us some cans. Yeah. Um, and I think this was a few years ago, at least. I don't remember how long ago it was. Yeah. Um, but you guys were kind of among the first um, canned wines that I saw. Like now there, there's quite a few of them in a liquor store. Um, but what was that decision like? Like deciding like, okay, we're going to go with cans, even though at that time, maybe there would, would have been like a bit of a stigma around it being canned. Yeah. I mean, canned wine has been blowing up for a while, yeah. um, especially on like the West coast. I feel like ah. the East coast sometimes takes we're a little longer to, to mm-hmm. catch up on things. Yeah. Um, like, we initially actually started the business focused on kegs. So like oh. putting the wine in stainless steel kegs for like draft systems and restaurants. That's so smart. There's just like so many benefits to it. It's like way more environmentally friendly. Yeah. It's like easier for the staff. It's mm-hmm. like more economical. Like so the many list good reasons. goes on. Um, so we launched, we first started selling wine in the summer of 2019, just like all in keg to restaurants. And then, of course, COVID hit. Yeah. It's funny because I thought you guys have been around for a long, like, like it feels it like feels you're longer. so established. <laughs> like, I see you in liquor stores. I see you at restaurants. I just assume that you guys have been open longer. So it's weird that 2019 is when you're Yeah, yeah. Right. So it'll be, yeah, I guess we're coming it, up on it three It takes years. a while to make the wine, too. So, you know, like, yeah. we, like we were, we were 
we were busy making our wine all through 2018 mm, and mm-hmm. getting set uh, up and, and everything and licensing, for, you know, for mm-hmm. 10 years before that, you know, the, the business was quite similar that we were running in San Francisco. Mm. So it was, uh, you know, even though it was new to here for us, it was yeah, kind of a you kind of did it. Though. And I interrupted you talking about cans. Yeah. I'm so sorry. No, no, that's okay. Um, so when the pandemic hit, um, we had just started bottling like a, a little bit. Yeah. Um, and we had talked about cans, but hadn't like moved forward. So as soon as things started to shut down, we're mm-hmm. like, well, I guess we are fast tracking we can cans. Do cans. <laughs> and that's nice too, because like with COVID. So it was a little more recent than I thought it was last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, oh, so man, we, in my head, it was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Well, the concept of time the past yeah, couple yeah. of years has been bad. Very that's true too. I think, I think that you're, you are, you're correct in, in some ways is that cans prior to, to the, the pandemic, I would say that mostly ginormous mm. uh brands had cans had cans uh-huh. and yeah. the one of the reasons why smaller companies don't is that the cost of the canning equipment is you know it's, it's a like lot. a it's like a quarter million dollars to get started on yeah i know a couple brewers that had to deal with yeah. that too and so yeah. we're in california there's a lot of mobile options where people just show up yeah and here and, you know, you have one solid option. It's a great company called Ironheart. And so they come down and they can with us. And yep. uh, they bring all the equipment. Um, oh, a mobile? Like yep. Mobile that, canning. What a great idea. Yeah. That's really sad. Especially, um, yeah, they've crushed it with the yeah, so pandemic. The, <laughs> real, the real thing, though, that you don't really think about is that the, why it's slow here in, in New England especially was because there's this old guard of distribution. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, some of the individual store owners are like, I tried one can five years ago. It didn't it, run. It didn't yeah. sell. Yeah. And it's like, you know, so it's, we were very fortunate to work with a distributor here called Craft Collective, who was a, who were their only winery and their craft beer. And they didn't really come with the same hangups that, that a yeah. lot of those. Because they see uh, the cans of they beer. They said, oh, it's in a can. Well. We can do that. We already yeah. do cans. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly yeah. Yeah. what Totally comfortable said. selling yeah. cans. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, a lot of the people that were on the ground doing sales were a little uncomfortable going in and like talking to the wine buyer. They're mm. like, they're like, I'm kind of a beer salesperson, and yeah. and uh, you know, I got I have to like set up an appointment and bring a bottle. And do that. But <laughs> with the can, they could they could come in and be like, here, check this out, Try and it. just leave it with them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because, you know, you're not going to walk out with an open can after yeah. tasting. So you're like, here, try the brand. Yeah. And um, so you know, a, a great distri- partnership with a distributor that was very open minded. Uh, a time. COVID when people were wanted to support other small businesses. We're doing all these virtual tastings. People oh, that's so excited. Cool. You could send out cans really Yeah, because you could send out five different cans exactly. to yeah. someone and they could have a tasting at their house. Yeah. yeah. Right? Or like if you were doing one of those like driveway meetups, which were big during COVID, like you could bring a cans of wine. At, no one's sharing anything. No one's yeah. touching the same thing. Like yeah. take your can and sit on the other side of the driveway. Like yeah. so then, smart. And then yeah. on, you know, the last big part of the equation of why cans work so well was, you know, boats and beaches, Rhode Island. It's just that, you know, the can is Throw so in cooler. That. And yeah. especially, you know, yeah. like here in the press, the cans are very photogenic oh, because yeah. you're taking a photo of like something happening, uh-huh. an action. And yeah. so you're like, oh, look at this can in the middle of this field full of tulips, mm. you know, and, and it's it doesn't seem like. And your like, branding is there because sometimes you have a glass of wine. Say, say like on Instagram, I'm going to take a picture of my glass of wine like on my boat. There's not yeah. there's no branding there. Yeah. Yeah. The, unless you're drinking out of the bottle and then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. But sure. even like, you know, we go on a boat a lot um, in the summer and. It's funny, you just said the thing about like, oh, try, 
traveling with one. I, I didn't even like that didn't even occur to me. Like, oh my God, I can bring some cans of wine. Yeah, because bringing, you know, Once glass bottles, bottles around. Yeah, yeah. It's, kind of, it's just kind of walk, cumbersome. You're like, oh, I got to go. I got to walk down. I got to walk the dog. You know, you're like, hmm. Yeah. Little can goes little in can. the koozie. Yep. Heck yeah. You're talking with the neighbor. Like nobody's like, if you're walking around with a bottle of wine in yeah, your people hand, people know. are like, I don't mm-hmm. know what's going on. <laughs> like, you know, like if you're at a party, like a barbecue, like I don't want to be the one person like holding the wine glass. Like everyone else is drinking a can of beer or having like a solo cup and, you know, you're just like yeah. I mean, I've, I've known a lot of people yeah. who have pools, in-ground pools, and like the number one rule around the pool is no glass. Yeah, yeah. totally. That's a thing too. And yeah. now with your wine, you don't need the glass. Yeah. yeah. All the fun with no glass. Yeah, it's, there you go. I love that. <laughs> like That's so good. You can have you it. You know, there's <laughs> one of the things that we get asked all the time is – can't you taste the metal? Is there a metallic, metallic taste in the can? Like that's because, because for some reason you're like, oh yeah, a can of soda water, or a can of soda c- of Coke or a can of beer. Yeah. You're like, yeah, no big deal. Yeah. But, but, but wine, with wine, wine. You're, like, you're like, this doesn't seem traditional or uh-huh. right. There has to be something wrong with it. So I'll say that no, the cans get lined like there's, a, there's a there's, liner in them. Yeah. Little, yeah, yeah. And like everything, like with a, every yeah. other beverage. Yeah, if like you a, if you were delicate enough with any can, you could separate the metal off and have essentially oh. a bag of liquid. No, no, no. It's not like that. It's, it's like shellac. It's like oh. nail polish, but it's a plant-based, um, you know, uh, whatever, BPA-free. Mm. Uh, so it's, you know, it's a food-grade like very Liner. thin spray that goes in there. Wow. And so oh, okay. if you scratch through that, then the, the aluminum would essentially rust or oxidize mm. into the thing. So it's, uh, you know, pe- people were, have been using cans for, you for know a what long I think, all kinds of stuff. The thing, I think the, the stigma is, like I remember when I worked at that Italian restaurant that always made me feel stupid. There was always this like, people would order wine and be like, it doesn't have a twist off, does it? Like yeah. that was like in your head that like the twist off wine is like, Less than well, that also the other had wines. to go away yeah. because there was well, a big that, cork shortage for. But it a did long go time. away because now, like, I don't work at a restaurant anymore. This was like ten years ago, but now, like, and that was in my head too. Like, I thought for a little while, like, oh, the the twist off is bad, it's like cheaper. Or something, but yeah. now, like, through learning things and through twist off is. Probably better than the core. I mean, not better. Can, there might not be one better or worse. And then you can close then it. Then you again. can close yeah. it. Put and it in the fridge, put it on its side in yeah. the cooler, whatever. So I can assume that, like, at the beginning of wines and cans, I'm sure that was part of it. Like, oh, is there, you know, is there something wrong with it? Like, it tastes like metal when you're like, no. Well, they twist, twist yeah. the, the, they're called, like, the original one Stelvin is called a Stelvin. Stelvin yeah. enclosure? Yeah. So I, I knew that from that restaurant. Yeah. They're like, don't call it a twist off, call it the, a Stelvin well, enclosure. The, is it a twist off? No, it's a Stelvin. It's actually called, there's two other names for it really? roll on pilfer proof oh right? r-o-p-p or or bvs which is uh anyway so stelvin is a brand like kleenex is ah. and uh, it's an r-o-p-p cap basically okay and so but stelvin was designed in by uh a, in, in the 19 maybe it's the 1960s i think late 50s or 60s by a chateau in uh, bordeaux yeah because they were tired of cork taint and yeah. problems in the wine. Yep. And so they designed this. And so there's different types of, of Stelvin, some that let a lot of air in and the wine evolves. It's like mm. a red wine needs to breathe a lot. Mm. So they're like, oh, you can't put it in a screw cap because it doesn't breathe. It actually breathes more than a cork. Wow. And so as a winemaker, you have the ability to say, mm-hmm. oh, this is like a, a wine that we want to stay really reductive, no oxygen. So you put on a really tight, non-breathing okay. uh, liner inside of the screw cap, or this is like a red wine and it needs to evolve. Yeah. So you have a lot of control and consistency. Yeah. And sure, I, you know, I think 
for 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 like the older generation, you connect the sound of the cork opening yeah. with a bottle of wine. And you're like, oh, I'm spending a lot of money on a special occasion and all mm. that. But I think in the younger generations, wine has become more of a day-to-day thing. Heck Not yeah. necessarily just like, oh, it's Sunday or like yeah. a special occasion. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I'm gonna drink a can Have of a wine. Have a glass of wine. Have yeah. a can of wine. So so the screw cap is uh, you know, it's it's made from already recycled aluminum mm. and it's fully recyclable. Yeah. And it gives us the ability to to you know to 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 protect the the wine so that it's it tastes as it's intended. Mm. Whereas with a cork, you know, two four it can percent, alter it, right? It can alter yeah, the taste. Yeah. It can make you make know, it go bad. Well, if you don't store it right, they can dry out. Isn't that, isn't that a thing with like real cork? That so yeah, cork can dry out. But that the, takes theoretically. a long time. But the the biggest issue is is the is the presence of cork taint. Mm. And so like like the uh, it's it's a it's like a like like mothballs or like a dusty oh. like old cardboard oh. that goes in the wine and it's not necessarily like that's all you smell but it makes the wine just taste not that taste, good yeah taste it's just not that yeah. good oh. and so that's a terrible thing it, there's so many wines mm. and when we send a wine out we want you to taste the way it should it tastes exactly and, the way it should and yeah. so if if you don't necessarily know what the wine is supposed to taste like and you have a bottle that's just slightly slightly corked yeah you're going to think, well, just not that good. And yeah. that might be the yeah. last time you ever drink our wine. Yeah, and that would be bad. So if if we have a very special bottle of wine that mm-hmm. we think you should age for 20 years and all of that, we're going to put a cork in it. Yeah. Because that's, it. even though we might lose, that might become tainted or whatever, it, the... If if you want to in, in, like say that this wine is really valuable, yeah, let's use this natural resource. Let's use corks mm. for that. But a wine with a screw cap, screw cap on it, it's like, hey, drink this wine. Let's have this now. Or you could age it for ten years. Yeah, and I, we have a bunch of of wines that I made ten years ago in screw cap, and um, you know they've 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 aged a little more than they would have had they had a cork in it. Yep, mm-hmm. but they're still amazing yeah. and delicious. And so I'm glad that's not like a stigma anymore. Cause like I all almost all the I'm bottles. I'm sure there's are, a community there, out there where I'm it sure. is. There <laughs> totally is. And it's a popular question. Yeah. Like that's like that question in the in the metal, does the wine taste like yeah. metal when it's yeah. in a can if, question? If is. you're spending more than like thirty or forty dollars on a bottle, you're probably gonna look at the screw cap and go, mm. not me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I give me screw cap or give me yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want the cork. You also, I'll get it stuck and it's hard to open. You hit a price <laughs> point where like yeah. tradition starts to come into play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like you're not just buying it because you want to drink wine. You're buying it for like the tradition to write of a date drinking on wine. Yeah, on you're trying to impress yeah. like, you know, the, Your hot the date. guy that you met at the yeah. water cooler <laughs> bottle or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, we've yeah. we've taken up so much of your time already. Like we've been talking for an hour and a half, which is insane. Uh, but I do have a quick question yeah. before yeah. we let you go. Including your wine, but in general, what are each of your favorite wines? <laughs> when you go to a bar, is it like a yeah. type type of wine? Yeah, like a type of yeah, wine. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm like a Sauvignon Blanc, okay. like Gruner, Valliner, yeah, drinker. I love that. Yeah, yeah, the white wine, crisp and, white wine. You know, it's that's that's a tough one. I think oh. that it it changes every year or every couple of years, every season. Like we all change a lot. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And um, that's true. It's 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 always a tough one because I start thinking back to like the James of today. But here's the 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 right answer to this (laughs) is the favorite wine, and I'm not going to go into exactly what mine is. But the favorite wine is the one that you that bottle that you remember because the moment was special. 
You know what I mean? That's you're like, cute. <laughs> that doesn't answer the question, like, but that's for, like for instance, that was a very po- political Val- answer, and I like it. <laughs> Marissa and I, the how I how I I got her interested in me is I took her out on a very fancy Valentine's Day date, <laughs> and. I happened to know a guy at the fancy restaurant and and he was able to put one of my wines on to the like fixed menu. Oh, there. that's cool. And I was just sitting there. I was like, what do you think? <laughs> ah, that's, so that's your favorite wine. That's that's what that's what sealed the deal. What was the wine though? Was it a crisp white? That's her fave. Or did you no, not know it, that it, yet? No, it was a, it was, uh, like it was a cab. cab. Yeah. Ah, okay. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. At Gary Danko. But we, we drink, we enjoy a lot of white wines. Like mm. really, really nice, clean uh, like the the Gruner Veltliner I'm, I love right now, but yeah. uh, we have we have a Chardonnay that that Nico grows on his farm in Germany, and like if you're thinking Chardonnay, you know like the buttery and oaky yeah. and all that, but this one is just so light Ooh. and refreshing. It's like minerally, it's like I a little salty, that. and um, you know Chardonnays from like the Jura or like you know uh, cer- certain parts of Burgundy. Where you don't, they're kind of like lower level Chardonnays that mm. don't have all the oak and aren't as big and rich. Yeah, they're they're harvested a little earlier. They're a little mm-hmm. bitter even. Like sometimes those can be some of the most beautiful wines you've ever had. You know, it's funny. You guys are just talking about white wine, and like I had mentioned earlier that I like red, um, and I've brought it up a few times on this this podcast. Like a, I'm like a red wine cigar whiskey kind of person that's like my flavor profile in there um but i think i realized that uh You're a re- recently no <laughs> but i think the one of the reasons that i've like kind of grown to like them yeah. is because it's low maintenance it's mm. like there's not a bunch of other stuff you have to bring you don't even have to bring ice yeah like yeah, i drink whiskey true. neat and mm. i drink red wine just how you drink red wine so it's yeah. like you just bring the bottle and i just need a glass and i think maybe yeah. i forced myself to like that stuff because <gasps> i don't want to bring, you don't bring like a cooler and a, <laughs> yeah. and a cozy yeah. this is a realization Simplistic. for nick oh yeah. my god a, you're turning into an, uh, a salty old man <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah 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 no, i'm we fine with that here's our our secret that we'd like to leave you guys with and okay. it's something that you do when you're working out in the vineyard on a hot day yeah spritzers yeah spritzers are spritzers you know you have a a can of wine a can of soda water nice and cold mix them just mix them that's such a great idea you stay hydrated i was gonna say you're getting you get a little less because wine is like you know it's 12 13 percent alcohol which is like which i like i do like it (laughs) well because like i have two glasses i'm like oh this tastes good and then i stand up i'm like "Ooh, this feels good too (laughs) i really like it if you're like our friend dan a sip is an entire glass of wine because he doesn't know how to take small sips. <laughs> I don't either. And like you I'm know, like, I I have a tendency. I keep you know, like I if I have something in my hand, like I, I'll just keep I just keep going and then yeah. it disappears. So the spritzer helps you pace. It, like you know, that's you're a really you're get, good you get a lot idea. more water, yeah. especially when it's really hot outside, and it tastes so good. It's delicious. Taste, oh, I'm yeah. so Refreshing. excited. And I mean, this might be stupid, and I'll leave you with this stupid question: If you had, say, our melon, our imaginary melon wine, if you got melon flavored spritzer, would that be good together, or should it just be plain like seltzer when it, you mix if it? You, it has to be like uh, mango pomegranate melon spritzers, and then I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we I'm prefer we cup. prefer plain. plain. But okay. Yeah. Thank you. Good to know. Because yeah. in my wacky hand, I'm like, let me get a flavor. I mean, you could. They're, so they in 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 uh, you know in in Europe, like in in Spain, you know, you got the Cali Mocho with Coca Cola and red wine. Like, I, lo- I love that. I've heard that. Before, I love it. Actually, you know, I think I, I think it. North yeah. had it on as one of their cocktails. Oh, you know, man. and stuff like that. So uh, we got to try it. And then um, it, I don't I don't really like these, but you know, like in Germany, you can have either like a dry spritzer or a sweet spritzer, and the sweet one is just with Sprite instead of uh, ah. And I like so, a sweet. You know, it's you know, like I've I've definitely there there's been a time or two where like you pour a spritzer and you're like, 
And so you're like, oh, I'll just pour a little bit of juice in there too. You know? Hell yeah. Why Make not? a little sangria. Why not? Yeah. Yep. A little sangria. Well, Nick, you want to yeah, close I mean, us out? I, uh, we don't want to take up your whole day, but yeah, we, we literally take up your could. Whole day. Um, <laughs> so, you know, thanks for giving us the time that you've given us. Uh, and just for people wanting to keep up with you, it looks like uh, anchorhopewine.com. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, yep. And then on Instagram, it's at anchorhopewine. Correct. Yeah. And is there any other places to follow? No, that's that's it. I mean, we have a Facebook page, too. Um, Anchor Hope Wine, if you're more of a Facebook. More and then Facebook. what's going to be the best way? Because I know you're going to be doing the tasting room. Mm. Uh, what's the, are you going to just post that on one of your social media? Yeah. Or? I mean, I think like the best way to like stay in, stay looped in is Instagram because we're, yeah. Yeah. we're gonna, pretty active on Instagram. Instagram's the best. If you get, yeah. come up with a, a date for it, you're going to have to let us know so we can cover it. Yeah. Yes. 100%. We'll come. We'll do a remote podcast at the yeah. tasting room. Maybe totally. Are you putting a plug for the last week of the main vest thing too? Oh, true. Yeah. yeah what else you got going on? Totally. Yeah, totally. I don't know why I forgot about that, but we're running a campaign on a platform called Main Vest. Okay. That allows anyone to invest um, in the company with as little as a hundred dollars. Oh wow! And you get you there's a return, so yeah. you get your money back at like one point five x. Wow! So it's um, kind of a fun way to like bring the community in and in. like participate in the growth um, and, of the and company help us fun and help us fund the tasting room. room. And so. then if you bring like a, a person on a fancy date for Valentine's Day and there's anchor and hope on the menu, you can be like, hey, I invest in that company. That's my wine. <laughs> you know, there you, there know? you bring go. It all around there you go. that's a great that's a really smart idea and, yeah, and what's the best way oh it looks like right on your website so on the uh, website the menu, there's an invest button yep so on the website there's a link to it um the link is in our instagram profile cool. you can also just go to mainvest.com and mm -hmm. it's um i think we're like we're we're right up there because we we're getting to like the end of the campaign. I think we have like okay. 15 days left nice. um, to invest, but yeah. so this and is it's perfect. been, it's been amazing. There are honestly so many people that like came out that we've never met before and never yeah. talked to from, from the local community and said, we want this here Heck yeah! and, and have, and have, and have, you know, invested in, in, in the project. So it's, it's like, that's really, I like crowdfunding. Well, so. I, think I it's love cool. that. Yeah. And people feel so much more like obviously financially invested, but also just like emotionally invested. Yeah, like they, sure. they want to see things in the community do well and they want to see you guys be successful. And I think you guys are going to be, you're so smart and you're so easy to talk to and not intimidating. I thought it was going to be intimidating and it was going to be a lot of tobacco wine flavor talk. But it wasn't. No, no, so thank you guys so much for coming. This was lovely and wonderful. Um, I can't wait to visit the tasting room. I can't wait to have cans of wine on my bow. I'm so excited. Amazing. Thank you so much for having us. Of course. Thank, thank you. you very much. Bye, guys. Yeah, and thanks everybody for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.